0: Uh, Today, we are continuing our series uh, called Disunity. This is our second week in this series. Uh, Disunity in the church and what to do about it. This is a series that will take us a chunk of time. Uh, I didn't want to put a time limit on it, but uh, roughly three months to go through the book of 1 Corinthians, a book that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth to talk about the problems that they have as a church and what might be done about them so that we might be a united body of believers that serve God and, um, and lead others to do the same. And so uh, we are uh, kind of diving in and looking at what Paul might say to the church. Now, um, it, it's funny because uh, Paul really is about to launch into um, this letter to Corinthians that is really nothing short of pastorally direct. Um, if you read the letter to First Corinthians, and I hope you do because we're studying through it, um, you will find that Paul doesn't really pull any punches when he says things like stop sleeping around and stop uh, worshiping false gods and the things that you like are not things you should be doing and he lists things that make people very uncomfortable. This is a pastorally direct letter. He's calling the church in Corinth as a whole... Um, to unity and holiness in a challenging culture. Remember, that's what we looked at yesterday. The sum, or last week, the sum total of the book of 1 Corinthians is to be a holy church in a challenging culture. Okay? Um, and we realize that that letter to Corinthians and the call there is not that much different than would be if Paul was writing a letter to the church of the Nazarene in Ketchikan, that we are still called to be a holy church in a challenging culture. Culture And we have a challenging culture in today's society. And so how do we live a holy um, life in a challenging culture? Um, It's not just, though, that he calls the church, like all of us together, to be holy in a challenging culture. But Paul kind of whittles it down to us individual believers as well. He says, you, individual members of the church... Are to live united lives, loving lives, um, and personally pursue holiness. Now, this letter is direct but loving. Uh, we talked about this a little bit last week. It comes directly from the heart of the apostle. And he mentions his title, apostle, several times in this book because there's an authority that is associated with the title apostle. He's saying, I have the authority from Jesus to speak these things to you. Um, and. Uh, And the things that he says should cause us to flinch a little bit, should cause us to stop and pray a little bit, Um, because if we hear the words that Paul says in this letter and think first of the person who sits next to us, right, or think first of someone else rather than our own selves, we have really missed... um, the, the thing that Paul is trying to tell us. We are assuming that Paul is speaking to someone else rather than our own hearts. And then we have a pride issue that we must deal with because this letter is to us as individuals and corporately to us as a church. Um, but it's interesting because this pastorally direct letter that Paul writes, um, he, he doesn't start with You are all horrible sinners, right? That's not the greatest introduction to a letter. It's not warm and loving. Paul starts the first um, nine verses of, of the letter to Corinth are a greeting and thanksgiving. So while he is about to write this incredibly pastorally direct letter that says stop gossiping, stop sleeping around, stop sinning, start loving one another, He starts by saying, I am truly, deeply thankful for you guys. And I thought that that wasn't important because in my mind, I thought, well, we covered the introduction last week. And the more I read this, the more I couldn't get past the Thanksgiving portion. God really convicted my heart to be truly thankful for the church. And that's where we're going to find ourselves today, just talking about being thankful for the church. So um, I'm going to go ahead and open us in prayer, and then uh, we're going to read Paul's thanksgiving for the church and see what that might have to teach us today. So if you would join me in prayer, Lord, um, this morning we've gathered together to study your word. We're not quite at the point of the letter where we're going to be uh, obviously convicted by the things that Paul is pointing out, but I found myself convicted by the first nine verses of this letter. Um, Ones Paul probably didn't even intend to convict. Um, And so, Lord, I, I pray as we read these words and as we discuss your church, that we as a people before you, if we need to be, might be convicted of our level of love for your body. That we might truly come to be thankful for the gift of the church that you have given us, its purpose in this world and in our lives, the way that you have ordained and chosen this way of life among believers to refine us and encourage us and shape us. And so Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the apostle Paul who so many years ago poured his life out so that those in his day might know you and that we today might know you and be strengthened. We give you all the honor and the glory now. And we ask that you open our hearts and our minds to your word. And we pray this in your name. And all God's children said, amen. 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 All right. So 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. And it's going to be uh, on the screen here for you. And if you want to follow along in your Bibles, you can. Or your digital Bibles, you can. But it is up here for us. This is the ESV version, the uh, uh, version that I, I read out of on a Sunday morning. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sothseniz. That's a great name. Anybody looking for a name for a kid? Sothseniz, okay? (laughs) Um, Not super common today, so your kid will have a unique name. Um, He is just identifying himself so far. I'm Paul, and God has called me to be an apostle, to have the authority to speak things to you. To the church of God that is in Corinth. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus. And remember, we know that the word sanctified means to be made holy, right? So, um, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are being made holy by Christ Jesus, those who are called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both Uh, their lord and ours so what he's saying is listen i'm writing to the church in corinth specifically but what i am about to say applies to everyone everywhere all over the face of the globe both now and forever those people who claim jesus i am also writing this letter it pertains to them as well because we are one church right so this is why we know this applies to us today because we are those people from every place that call upon the name of the lord Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a blessing from the Apostle Paul. Then he says this, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Paul is thankful for the people in Corinth. That in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech, in all knowledge, Even as the testimony of Christ was being confirmed among you. So that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who who, um, will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So here we have these nine verses. Where Paul identifies himself. And then um, he says, uh, A blessing over the people. I bless you, grace and peace to you. This is like the apostolic blessing that people would want from their leaders in the church. And then, then he says, I am really thankful for the way that God is working among you. I'm really thankful for you, the church. I am glad to see that God is at work among you, even. When maybe you were just at be the beginning of your faith. I am thankful for the way God is completing his work in you. I am thankful for the way that God will complete his work in you. I know that God is faithful and he is the one who called you to be part of this church. <clears throat> After this, he gets into the stuff that's the nitty gritty. But this, this is an interesting set of passages and it challenged me because um, what I learned is that Paul is thankful for the church. Right? He was thankful for the church, and I, I, I don't think that he understood church to be what we understand church to be. So go with me on this journey today as we understand what it means to be thankful for the church. Um, Paul was thankful for the church. Because it is God's church, not man's church. Paul was thankful for the church because it belonged to Jesus, not people. If it belonged to people, it would go off the deep end very quickly. But Paul was thankful for the church because it belonged to God. Um, it, we, we read um, right there in that passage God is faithful by whom you were called into his fellowship. This is God's fellowship, not man's fellowship. No one person can claim, this is my church, right? No one person can say, I own this church. No one person can say, I get to direct where this church goes because Jesus is the leader of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the head of his body. He is the one who determines where and how this church gets to work itself out. And Paul is thankful for that. Because it means we only have one leader, one united leader, which is why he can say, I am speaking to the church in Corinth and all people everywhere who are united in one Lord. We have um, one church because God ordained the church to be his way of experiencing fellowship of the people on earth. Um, he sanctifies the church. We read that, right? So if it's his church, he can sanctify it and make it holy. People can't make the church holy. We just tend to make the church more sinful if we're honest with the way things go. Jesus, though, makes the church more holy. And Paul is thankful for that because it's God's church, not people's church. And God has the ability to call people to participate in this church and unite people from all walks of life in this church. And um, he brings people from... Nations that are far apart to be united in one purpose, worship of the Lord. Paul is thankful that it is God's church, not man's church. Uh, Paul is also thankful uh, for the people that are in the church and the gifts that they have from the Lord. Uh, This is interesting because um, he says, um, I give thanks because of the grace of God that was given to you, that you were enriched in him in speech and knowledge. Uh, These, um, A little bit about Corinth, it was a a city of oration, uh, meaning uh, smart people would come and give their TED Talks in the city of Corinth. That would be the modern equivalent, right? Um, And so people from all over would gather together in the auditorium that sat 18,000 people, and they would pride themselves in Corinth on their ability to engage in rhetoric and debate and find speech. These were natural inclinations that people in Corinth had. And Paul says, listen, when you are called to be part of the church in Corinth, those natural skills and tendencies that you had, God enriched by the power of the Holy Spirit to use them for the testimony about Jesus Christ. So they have these people in the church who have these gifts in the church that God has designed for his glory. And and even when these people are sinful people, and Paul will get into this, even when these sinful people use their God-given gifts for sinful purposes, Paul still finds himself thankful. That God has called people, sinful people, to participate in the church. That God has called people with gifts to participate and use their gifts for the glory of God. The gifts come from God um, in the wisdom of God to build up the people of God and encourage the people of God and disciple the people of God to be mature and active believers um, until... The day that Jesus returns, is how Paul phrases it. Who will sustain you to the end, guiltless, before Jesus. Now, now, Paul is thankful for this body that is the church that belongs to God, and for the way that God calls people, sinful people, broken people, um, people who, even when they're part of the church, still tend to kind of go astray a little bit. Paul still says, I am thankful even as the testimony is being confirmed among you, even as you are still trying to figure out what it means to be a church member. Paul is thankful for the way that God is forming people into his image. When he says, I am thankful for the church, I am thankful for you, he says, I am thankful that this church, this body of believers is God's plan for Christ followers until they die or Jesus comes back. This church that we experience is God's plan for us until we die or Jesus returns. So what we are called into, Paul says, as the body of believers, is God's design for us, God's way to sanctify us, God's way to unite us, God's way to lead other people to faith in Jesus, God's way to give us a purpose for the skills that he has entrusted to us, God's way to um, help us share love with people, and that is the place that we are supposed to be as Christ followers, as part of this body, something to be thankful for until we die or Jesus comes back. So when you become a Christ follower, you are part of the body of Jesus, the church, until you die or until Jesus comes back. Now, um, the church has a long way to go before its actions before God match its status before God. Uh, God has this beautiful picture of, um, of the spotless bride of Christ that is the church that Jesus will present to God the Father one day in glory saying, look, I have redeemed this beautiful church for you. I have taken people who were sinful and bent on selfish desires and I have united them together in one purpose in my name for the glory of your name, Father, and for the good of the people on earth. And now look at how glorious and holy they are. And this is his plan for us, that Paul was confident that God is faithful and that he would do what he said he would do and wrap it up perfectly at one point in time. Now, we live in the in-between. We live where our, our actions don't necessarily meet the status that God has designed for us. Our status before God is holy and blameless and pure. God has purchased that for us through Jesus. The church, though, has some work to do, which is why Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, here's some things that you should knock off in the name of Jesus, please stop doing the things that you are doing. But he stopped first to say, I am truly thankful for this body of people as broken as they are, as confused as they might be about Jesus and the resurrection, because that's something that Corinth struggled with. I am thankful for the way that God is working this out among us. But I, I think we have to ask ourselves this question. This is, this is the question that, that God pressed upon my heart. So only one question for you guys to wrestle with today. Are you thankful for the church? Um, Are you thankful for the church the way that Paul was thankful for the church? Um, I don't think the answer is as easy as you want it to be. Because I think that when we think, are we thankful for the church, we're thinking about the church according to our own ideas of what church is. Um, So let's unpack that a little bit in our hearts. Is church routine or essential for you? Is church something that you schedule in and you go to every Sunday morning as, as you can? Um, is, is church a thing that you do? A place that you go to? Are you thankful for this space? Right? Is that what Paul meant when he said, I am thankful for the church? Um, or is church an essential aspect of, of your identity as a Christ follower because the difference in those two is significant. If you are thankful for church that you go to, then you are thankful for something different than being thankful for the church that you are part of, called to redeemed in. If church is an action that you take out of routine, something that you check off for your christianity list, then it is a different kind of church than the church that Paul is thankful for, where broken people are united together amidst all of their flaws by the glory of Jesus to be redeemed and be sanctified. It's not something you go to. It's part of who you are. You are part of the body of Jesus. You are, now Paul will get into this later on in the book of Corinthians, that, that Jesus is the head of the church and you are all members of it. You all have a vital part to play in it. Now, the toe does not decide at any given point I feel like going to the body today. I feel like like if I, if I want to check off my duties as a toe, I will just go and be there. The toe is an active part of the body of the human, right? Like when you stub it, you know that that toe is there, right? And you don't give much thought about your toe the rest of the time, but do you know that your big toe is integral in your balance? Right? Your little toe lets you know where those coffee tables are, right? Mm-hmm, right? Your toes are vital. If your toe just decided one day, I'm just not gonna call, I'm just gonna call in sick today. I guess I'd rather sleep in, right? It doesn't work, right? You need every part of your body. So church, you must wrestle with in your mind and heart. Are you really thankful for the active body of christ that you are called to play a role in distinct and unique and special and i don't know you might be the appendix you might be the left canine tooth you might be the hair on the top of the head you you, i don't know what part of the body you are right but god has called you specifically to be part of the body it is either an essential aspect of your identity or it is something you do when it is convenient Those are the two minds of thought that we have. We are called to live one way. We default to the other. We have to wrestle with this if we want to think about, are we thankful for the church? Because um, if it is an essential aspect of who we are, then we begin to understand church like Paul understood church. But if church is something that we do when we have time, that we allow ourselves to participate only so far but we don't fully embrace the identity and the calling that God has given us, then we are thankful for a different kind of church. When Paul said he was thankful for the church, um, he was not thankful for what it does. Hear me out. In the Americanized version of church, we are thankful for what it does. When we look for churches, we look for what they do for us. We look for their Sunday school programs. We look for their small group ministries. Um, we look for, do I like their music, right? Does their pastor annoy me, right? And I, I say this because this is reality. I hear people talk about why they go to different churches all the time. I have friends who are pastors, and they hear it too, and we talk about why people choose certain churches over another, and we hear why people don't choose other churches, Right? Well, I'm coming to your church because the voice of that other pastor annoyed me. I just couldn't listen to it. This is real. I'm not even joking. People look for churches for the wrong reasons because they want something to please their flesh. So uh, is it the Sunday school? Is it the nursery? Is it the small groups? Is it the preaching? People um, um, are thankful for the church for what it does in terms of missions or even the freedom in America. I'm thankful for the church because I have the freedom to worship. That's not what Paul was saying. That's not why Paul was thankful. In fact, they didn't have Sunday school ministries. Right? They didn't have small groups. They didn't have worship teams. Right? They didn't have sanctuaries. Right? That's not what Paul was saying when I'm thankful for the church. He's not saying I'm thankful for, for what the church does for me or what it does for people, he's saying, I am thankful for the body of Jesus, redeemed by the blood of Christ. I'm thankful for what the church is, the living body of Jesus, a a gift of God to us, a a means of his grace in our life to us and the world. And and this means that there is a personal um, intimacy, there's a personal nature of being involved in the body of Jesus. Uh, It is the physical, tangible, personal, relational way that Jesus expresses himself in the world today. Um, So uh, when, when Jesus, God the Father and the Holy Spirit, said we want our presence to be among the people, in the Old Testament they built the tabernacle, or the temple later on in stone. Right? And so this tabernacle was the portable version of where God dwelled. The holy of holies, the fire descended. You didn't go in there else you'd get zapped. right? And then as Israel became more solid in where they lived, they built the temple right, out of stone. And it was this immense place. And there was a moment in the Old Testament where they dedicated the temple to the Lord. And the fire of the Lord fell down on the Holy of Holies, and inhabited the space where the people were. And that was then where God's presence dwelt. That was where his people went to worship. In the New Testament, under the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus, there is no more temple that we go to. Rather, instead of fire falling from the heavens, To represent the glory of God filling a tiny space called the Holy of Holies. The fire of God fell on people. We called it Pentecost. It was when the Holy Spirit descended on people. right? And people began to be the dwelling space for God. It was a a change in um, ideology um, that now we are thankful not for brick and mortar, but we are thankful for the unity of the people. And this is why it becomes so essential when Paul later on says, um, and, and we'll look at this next week, there are divisions among you. He's saying, listen, church, you wouldn't have taken a sledgehammer to the walls of the Holy of Holy, would you? Like, that would be outrageous. So why are you doing that now with your own words to people in the body of Christ? Because the body of Christ is not a building. The body of Christ is people. We are, we are one. Um, so we don't destroy one another, right? Just like back in the Old Testament, they wouldn't destroy the actual walls of the Holy of Holies. God, uh, Paul was thankful for the church, not for what it did, but for what it was. The embodiment of who God has called us to be. The avenue by which we are made Holy. Um, the relationship that we have, the personal nature of this. Um, then he, he said something else in here. He said, I was thankful for the people and their gifts. Are you thankful for the other members of the body of Christ? This is, this is where we start to feel uncomfortable, maybe, because we can expand our mind to think, I can be thankful for the idea of the body of Christ. I can be thankful that it's it's not Sunday school. That's not the big deal. It's not, um, you know, the space that we gather and sing all the songs. It's, it's the people that are bought by Jesus. I can be thankful for this body that I'm a part of. I get that. But Paul went one step further. He said, are you thankful for the people that are in the body of Christ? And are you thankful for their, their gifts? Um, Are you thankful that God included the people in this room in the body of Christ? Specifically, he called them. He chose them. Scripture tells us he foreknew them. He gave grace in their life so that they would be part of the body of Jesus. He gave them the same amount of grace he gave you for the sins that they have done. So if you feel thankful for the grace that you have for your sins in your life, ought you also be truly thankful that God gave grace to those people? And we think that's great for the people that I like. But we do not choose the people in the body of Christ. God chooses and calls people, right? Which means, so, which means we are being called to be thankful for the people we don't like, right? And if we're honest, there are people that rub us the wrong way in this world, okay? They are called to be part of the church too. And we are called to be truly thankful for people that maybe rub us the wrong way. We are called to be truly thankful for people who have spiritual gifts that aren't serving us. We are called to be truly thankful for people in the body of Christ when they sin against us. Love covers a multitude of sins. We are called to be truly thankful for the people in this body, despite their flaws and their sins and their failures, right, to live up to God's standards. We are still truly thankful for them. We are truly thankful for people in the body of Christ when they fail to meet God's standards because we know that God can help them meet those standards. God is faithful. Can we be truly thankful for people in the body of Christ when they fail to meet our standards, though? That's where it gets hard. When we expect people to be a certain way at a certain time to meet our expectations of how they should live their Christian life. God has to work on our hearts if we think that way. And we don't think we think that way, but we think that way, right? There is a variety of personalities and experiences and testimonies that are represented in the body of Christ, not just in this room, but globally. And we are called to be thankful that God has called every single one of us To know him and to walk with him and to work together so that other people may know him. Think about the 12 disciples, right? He called them from drastically different aspects of life. They would have never hung out with one another for the most part. Some of the fishermen would have hung out together, right? Because they worked together. But then you got the tax collector who was a Jew and sold himself out to the Roman government to betray his own people and fill his pockets with money. Okay? And then you've got this other guy over here who his job was to kill people like the tax collector. He was a zealot. That was his title. He carried a dagger. He stabbed people. He was an assassin. And Jesus said, "Got this crazy idea. It's going to be so awesome. I'm going to take I'm going to take the assassin who likes to kill tax collectors and I'm going to take the tax collector who's scared of the assassin and I'm going to unite them together. They're going to become brothers. Their differences aren't going to matter anymore. They're going to have a united purpose. So they might have actually fought before they met me, but now that they're united in the body of Christ, those differences don't matter and they have one purpose. And you want to know what? they became thankful for one another. I'm thankful for my brother, the salad. Thankful he's not killing me. (laughs) And I'm thankful that he has my back. It's not just that I'm thankful that he's not actively killing me. I'm thankful that he's actively fighting for me. He's fighting for the glory of God in my life to keep me accountable and with me alongside of me for the glory of God in the community that I live in zealot says i'm thankful for the tax collector i'm thankful that though he had some extra money in his pocket through ill-gotten gains i'm thankful that now it's being used for the glory of god it's being given back to the people i'm thankful that he has renounced his ways there and he is doing something with his life that is fruitful for the kingdom if we are honest about our lives." There are people in the church that we would rather not hang out with. There are people in the church that rub us the wrong way. There are people in the church that when push comes to shove and our flesh comes out, we would talk about behind their backs. And that's exactly what Paul is going to say in this book. But he starts with the idea of, are you thankful? Let's reorient our mind to the bigger picture. The bigger picture is that you are called by God, who is the head of the church, to be part of something that he is in charge of, that is for your good and for his glory and the good of the people over the earth doesn't have to do with sunday school and it doesn't have to do with worship teams and it doesn't have to do with this building it has to do with the glory of god being displayed in your life as you love people are you thankful for that because it's life-changing that's the question that we have to wrestle with this morning i want to close with a scripture and then the worship team is going to come up and lead us um, in worship as one body before one lord Um, another letter from paul Uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Another thanksgiving. You know, he starts his letters with thanksgiving. Just to remind people, don't forget what we're thankful for. Let's reorient our minds here so that we don't get lost in the things that we're struggling with, but we remember what that greater, higher calling is. For this reason, because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love towards all the saints, not just the ones that you like, but all the saints... I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and a revelation of knowledge in him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us whom believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and all authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but is the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things, the church, which is his body and the fullness of him who fills all in all Christ is the head and all things are under him you are part of the body of Christ are you thankful for what that means in your life worship team will come up lead us in the time of worship let's pray father I was challenged this week to rethink what church was Uh, the way Paul spoke softly and gently and lovingly about how deeply thankful he was For the church. The church that frankly was risking its life on a regular basis to demonstrate its love for you. He was thankful for brothers and sisters who poured their lives out selflessly, even if they hadn't figured it out 100%, even if they still struggled with sin. He was thankful that there was a God who was living inside of them that would produce in them as a whole. Holiness and godliness and righteousness and generosity. This morning, as we worship you as one body, united with all of the people all over the world who are worshiping you in spirit and in truth, may we be thankful for the church that is described in scripture. May we be thankful for the body of Christ that we are a part of. May we be thankful for those people that sit next to us may we be thankful for the people that we were rather not sitting next to but that you've placed and called in the body of Christ to sharpen us to encourage us to challenge us to disciple us and us to disciple in return help us see our role in your body, Father and may church be a vital part of our identity Not something we do, but who we are, members of your body, with you as the head. We give you honor and glory and praise, and we look now for your direction and wisdom to fill us and to strengthen us until we die or you return. And we pray this in your name.